It is good to see Jim and Debbie here this morning after the, the wedding of their daughter. A wonderful wedding um, for those that, uh, that were there that know Nikki. And as I was watching the wedding on, on Friday and watching Jim escort Nikki down the aisle and that, that incredibly precious moment, is that a good way to describe it, Jim? Yeah, unforgettable moment. I, I now am starting to think about my daughter and realize that that could happen someday in maybe another 30, 35 years. Yeah, I should hold on to that thought. As I hear my wife this morning saying, Alicia, you're growing up so fast. I'm like, no, 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 let's stop this. And the weird thing about kids is they keep growing. You know, you, you cannot feed them and they keep growing. And, and you can put weights on their head to try to, and they still grow. And it, growth is just something that happens with kids, right? I mean, yes, you do have to feed them and, and we, we take care of them and give them places to live. But growth with kids really is, is pretty much automatic if we're doing some of the basic things. And this morning we're talking about spiritual growth. And, and as we come to spiritual growth, it's, it can be a little bit of a, of a challenge for us because spiritual growth is not quite so automatic. We don't just show up in church on Sunday morning and spend our hour and a half sitting here and sing a couple songs and read a couple verses and, and become spiritual giants. It's a process that takes a lot of different things happening. And, and in this process, it's not that it's complicated. And there's been so much effort recently, I think too much effort to make it far more complicated than it is. It's actually pretty simple, but it takes effort. It, it, it's challenging because it's something we have to put in the time to grow spiritually. We have to do the things that God's Word tells us to do to see those results. But it's challenging. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in The Cost of Discipleship said, grace is free, but not cheap. And I think about that. We, we come to salvation, and it's the free gift of salvation, but that free gift costs our Lord and Savior His life. As He spilled His blood on the cross, but He still is seeking to transform us and to help us grow and to change us into His, into his image. And so today we come to spiritual growth. And for those of you that have been with us the last few weeks, we're in the middle of a, a short little mini-series. Because um, you know some of my series on books of the Bible maybe go a little longer than five or six weeks. But um, we're in a short little mini-series on the core values of our church. Something we haven't done in a few years and we want to revisit from time to time. And so we, we talked about the mission of the church and the mission of the church to continue Christ's work of making disciples. And then we looked at the first two core values in the last couple of weeks of outreach and, and sh taking the gospel to a lost world. And then last week we looked at community and specifically what does God intend for His church and Christian community? What kind of, what should fellowship look like? How should we treat each other? And this morning we come to the third core value and all of these are, are interrelated and come together. But the third core value of what we stand for at Village Bible Church is spiritual growth. We are here to draw closer to God, to grow in our walk with Him, to grow in our knowledge of Him, and to grow in our application of His Word. So both in our minds, but also in our actions. And so in your notes, I have a, a working definition of spiritual growth, and it's just one definition as it applies to our core values, but daily being transformed into Christ-likeness in every part of life as we know God more and more 
and apply His Word. There's a number of key parts to that. But the idea is that every day, as we draw close to God, as we do those things that His Word asks us to do, He is transforming us into His likeness. He is making us more and more like the people He wants us to be. And so that's the goal. Turn with me to Romans 12, 1 and 2. And, and like the last couple weeks, we're going to hit a lot of verses this morning and next week and, and really just, just try to get a, a picture of what does spiritual growth look like in the Bible, knowing that it's a far broader topic than we can go to this morning. It could be a whole sermon series. But we're just trying to give an overview this morning. But Romans 12, 1 and 2 is our key verse for this core value. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And Paul here, as he's writing to the Romans, he starts by, by presenting the goal, the ideal, that you will present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and completely to God. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And we look at that, we're like, wow, that is a huge task. I need to be completely Christ-like, completely sold out to God. How can I be acceptable to God? I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Because we look at our lives each week, and I look at my life during the week, and I'm like, I'm not always acceptable to God. But that's the goal. That's what He's trying to create. And then verse 2 is the key verse of how that's happening, the process that that's happening through. Do not be conformed to this world or molded, pressed in by this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what the will of God, what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And in verse 2, Paul goes to the method. How is God doing this? And the key verb there is transformed. And that's where the, the, the title of the sermon comes from. Because it comes from the Greek word that we get metamorphosis from. And what do you think of when you think of metamorphosis? Butterflies. Butterflies. Just all, all at once. And I have that in my notes. But yeah, this butterfly, this ugly, creepy caterpillar thing, crawls into this cocoon and, 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 and lives there for a little while. Then when he emerges, it's this beautiful butterfly, completely different. As a child, I did not believe they were the same thing. It was that different. In fact, I had gotten this, this um, tomato worm, I guess it was, or, or some sort of big worm like that. And one of the rare times I didn't kill it, I, I saved it and, and put it in this little enclosure. And sure enough, it made a cocoon. Now, that one didn't become this butterfly, but it became this, one of those huge moths that I think Angel Stadium has or used to have. And, and this moth came out. I'm like, Mom, the, 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 the worm's gone, but this moth is in here, this huge thing. And explain to me metamorphosis. That that, that little um, bug, it's not a caterpillar, but that worm changed and was completely changed into this moth, or, or as we know with caterpillars, to butterflies. That's the word that Paul is using here. It's an inner change that goes to the, the outer life that we are so radically changed that we are no longer the same. And what a great picture of what God is doing in our lives. As He takes broken, fallen people like you and I, and through His cocoon of His work, transforms us 
into creatures that are ever increasingly into his likeness. That's a miracle, guys. That's a miracle that we celebrate. And that's what we're talking about this morning. See, God wants to transform every part of our lives. And we can, we can think of a couple of, oh, I'm just going to give him this area or this area. But he wants every part of our lives. And as believers, everything should be different from the world. One, one person said, if the world understands your life as a believer, you're, you're not living right. And, and you, know, you, have to, you have to take that with a grain of salt and in each situation, but there's a, a kernel of truth there that because God wants to transform every part of our lives, our lifestyle, our worldview, our home, our marriages, our work life, and how we work, and how dedicated we are, and the attitudes we have, our thought life, our speech, what we enjoy... God wants it all. He wants to touch it all. And so you have instructions in verse 2 like, do not be conformed to this world. Don't look like the world. Don't chase after the things that the world thinks of as important. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And renewal there is almost rebirth. He gives us a new way of thinking. I'm reminded of 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. And man, we should cling to that. When we know Christ, when we've come to Christ, He has made us new. He has made us different. We cling to the old. And He wants to keep creating the new. That verse goes on to say, the old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And so we seek to grow into Christ's likeness each day as we're transformed by the Spirit. One thing to remember as we talk today, because it can be easy as we're talking about spiritual growth and as we're talking about these things that we do, it can be easy to think that we do it. Right? If I just do these things, I'm going to grow. Pastor Ron gave me nine things today. I am going to be the most mature Christian by next week. Sorry. The thing to remember is God causes the growth. You don't cause it. I don't cause it. Now we do things that open the door for Him to work. Just as we can do things to prevent spiritual growth from happening. But really, God causes it. And obedience to the Creator is what we're after. And then watching Him as He does wondrous things in our lives and changes the ugly to the beautiful. In 1 Corinthians 3, 6-9, through Paul is talking and dealing with some divisions in the church, but he comes to this idea of growth. And he says, I planted Apollos, one of the other missionaries that had gone through there, teachers that had gone through. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. Okay, so that, that, I think that's great instruction for spiritual growth. Uh, he who he waters, he who plants is nothing compared to what God is doing. But only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So as we come to these things, as we come to how do we how do we open the door for spiritual growth in our lives? How do we allow God to work? We have to remember that by themselves, and I want to quote Richard Foster here in his his celebrated book on spiritual disciplines, by themselves, the spiritual disciplines can do nothing. They can only get us to the place where something can be done. 
And what a great way to look at some of the things we're going to talk about this morning. So how are we transformed? What does a believer that's being transformed, what does he do? What does it look like? And we want to explore that in, in yes, a number of points. And again, my goal this morning is to give an overview, sort of a, a reminder, a checklist. Sometimes we do this and it's good to go back and say, am I doing the things that God's Word says to do? Number one, a believer being transformed thirsts. Thirsts. Say that word five times fast. Thirsts. It's recognizing the need for metamorphosis or for transformation and pursuing it. And I I start with this one very intentionally. It's not always where you'd start in a list like this. But because this brings us back to who is doing the work and our need for God in our lives, our need to be transformed... This is the idea that I thirst after God. I crave Him. I crave a relationship with Him. But I also know that I have a need. And that's really the first part of thirsting is we've got to recognize the need. If we're going to be transformed, we have to come to God. We have to come to His Word. Gatherings together saying, I still need to grow. I still have work to do in my life. So often especially if you've been a believer for a long time, it can be easy to come to God's Word and it can be easy to come together and say, you know what? I pretty much have this thing down. I'm doing the right things and hopefully I'll get a little bit of encouragement this morning, but I'm pretty mature. And while there are different stages of maturity that all of us are at, not one of us has achieved perfection. And, and that has to be top of mind when we come to God's Word, when we come to spiritual growth. We have to know that we need to grow. Because if we don't believe, truly believe that we need to grow, no growth will happen. And so that's essential to the commitment to grow. We're never done. In 1 Peter 2, 2-3, I, I love the imagery here. Peter says, like newborn infants, long for this pure spiritual milk. Some translations say crave the pure spiritual milk. That by it, you may grow up into salvation. He's giving the idea of growth and he's starting with craving spiritual teaching. Indeed, if you have tasted that the Lord is good. We have a lot of babies in our congregation. What do they do when they're hungry? Cry? No. No, they cry, they scream. Why? Why? Because they're hungry. Simple answer, right? Because they're hungry. This says like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. Long to be fed. And as much as your babies want to be fed and long for it and will scream for it, that's the picture that God's Word uses of how we should long for being fed by the the Spirit. By the Word of God. We sang this morning Psalm 42, 1 and 2. Thank you, Joshua, for having the song in there. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for You. O God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? In your worship folder, we talked about coming expectantly. The idea is come knowing I need to grow. Come thirsting for God. It's been hot the last few days, right? If you've been working outside at all, I'm so sorry. But uh, you're hot and you come inside 
And I don't know about you, I come inside and I'm just dying of thirst. And for me, if I'm dying of thirst, it's got to be one of a couple things. It's got to be either water, iced tea, or lemonade. That's pretty much it if I'm that thirsty. Some of you are saying, what about Dr. Pepper? Dr. Pepper's too sweet and it doesn't quench your thirst. I just said that, didn't I? (laughs) No, give me water or give me iced tea. And those things are the things that quench my thirst. But I'm dying for them. And and Susan's like, here, here, here. And, And that's this picture of this deer panting by the streams, thirsting for God. I'm humbled even by Paul in Philippians 3, 12 through 13. Flip over there. I know I don't have you look at all the verses when we're doing so many, but they're in your notes so you can. So you can go back and read them and I encourage you to check out everything I say and go back to Scripture. But Philippians 3, 12 through 13. This is the Apostle Paul, someone I would consider a hero of the faith. Someone that, that planted more churches than I can even imagine. And he says this, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. This is what we're talking about. Paul says, I haven't arrived. I haven't grasped perfection and in fact, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just forget every place I've been and not let that hold me back or not let that make me think I've accomplished. And I'm gonna strain for Jesus Christ. If we're to be serious as a church about spiritual growth, we need to strain for growth. Strain for Jesus Christ. We have to recognize that need. And then satisfy it with Jesus Christ. This is the starting point, is to crave God, to seek a love for God. To know God, not just about God. Now we need that knowledge, but it has to translate into relationship for growth to happen. And the reason I have this first is because if we don't start with a, a, a love for God, a craving for God, seeking God, the rest of the list becomes a legalistic checklist that I'm hoping to be spiritual by doing. It's got to start with our walk with God. In Philippians 3.8, same book, just a couple verses earlier, Paul says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish. I love that word. Wish I had an English accent, but... As rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. I read that and I'm like, do I count everything as rubbish to gain Christ? To know Him more? To be in relationship with Him? God's Word is so convicting. There's some other verses you can read there. But it's got to start with craving Christ, thirsting Christ for Christ. Francis Chan in his book called Crazy Love. And, and throughout today, I'm going to give just some, some practical pointers. If this is your struggle, seeing that relationship with God, that love for God, 
I encourage you to read the book Crazy Love by Francis Chan along with the Bible. Don't, don't neglect the Bible. and We're going to get to that. But he writes this, The irony is that while God doesn't need us, but still wants us, we desperately need God, but don't really want Him most of the time. And as I read the book, I, I highlighted a lot of things that kept stepping on my toes. And that was one of those. So if we're serious about spiritual growth, we need to thirst for God. Moving to number two. Spiritual growth comes when we make God's Word central. When we make God's Word central. A believer being transformed makes God's Word central. We absolutely must take in a steady diet of God's Word to grow. And I joked about uh, if I don't feed my kids, they don't grow. But you do feed them. And, And... you, you try to feed them. I, I know Susie and I know you moms here. You try to feed your kids as nutritiously as you can and give them the right mix of things and vegetables and you know all those things that Susie is so good at. Those contribute to growth. Our diet matters. Same is true in the spiritual walk. Our diet matters. We must take in a steady diet of God's Word to grow. In fact, if we don't, there can't be growth. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Again, a key verse, I would say the key verse when we come to understanding Scripture and the impact of Scripture. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Some, some versions say inspired by God. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete. And, and we need verse 17 with verse 16 because the purpose is for maturity, to bring us to maturity. God's Word wants to bring us to a point where we are complete, mature, and equipped for every good work, the verse goes on to say. And we could go into each of those four things, teaching, meaning this is the way you should go, rebuking, reprimanding when we walk off the path, correcting how to get back on the path, and training, guiding us in His way. But all of these point to the main thing God uses for spiritual growth is His Word. That is the main thing. And that's why I personally believe if we're not in God's Word, growth cannot happen. Because that's what He defines in His Word as how growth happens. Romans 15.14 says, "...for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction." And it goes on to talk about the impact of Scripture. But we've got to be in God's Word. And I know I know this. If we're talking about spiritual growth, you could have bet that I would talk about God's Word this morning. I would bet every one of you, oh, I know what he's going to talk about. Thank you for still coming, by the way. But we've got to, to be in God's Word and we need to be reminded to be in God's Word. Why is it so hard? Why does life... Just, just come in and the busyness of life and we leave it out because Satan doesn't want us to read his word because we need to be reminded. So there's four things there about God's word. We need to read God's word. And these are just some ideas. I think for getting the most out of God's word, we need to start by reading it we need, or listening to it. But we need this consistent march through God's word consistently Bringing that in and in, as part of our intake. As we consistently read God's Word, it, it increases our knowledge of God. This is the story of God. This is His story. 
And if we systematically go through it, read it cover to cover, we are learning about God. And then as we learn about God, we put that into action by knowing God more. Reading God's Word on a regular basis also improves our biblical literacy. I'm amazed Christianity Today does statistics every year and talking about the falling biblical literacy in America. We, we have the answer. The answer isn't someone else telling you what it says, but each of us opening it up and knowing what it says. Read it. See his story. This is why in our children's ministry, we, we take a three-year section and we go through the Bible from beginning to end. It's part of our philosophy because we believe the Bible is that important. And so your kids, and I think they're around Samuel right now, they're in the Old Testament. Is that about where we're at? And, and we're marching through. But we're going to teach them God's Word, unashamedly. As you read God's Word, spend time enjoying it. Read it. You know, there's all kinds of different reading plans you can do. We give a, something we call our rooted reading plan, and we put that in your worship folder at the beginning of every month, that little bookmark. It's a great plan. It is not inspired. If you don't like it, choose something else. But be in God's Word. Um, you can also get that online on our website. In fact, there's a little calendar in the lower left that if you hover over it, it'll bring up the verses for that day. If you click on them, it'll actually bring up the text, and you can click listen and hear it. Not to try to make it, you know, overcoming any obstacles and make it easier. It's all right there. I think it's pretty neat when we go through God's Word together. I hear people say, hey, I read this in Rooted Reading. And I'm like, oh, so did I. And you, you have a frame of reference to talk about. You know, if you, if you start a reading plan, any reading plan, and you get a couple weeks in and you miss a couple days, don't let that stop you. Don't get discouraged. Just pick it back up at the day you're on. And if you're the kind that has to go back and pick it up from there, that's fine. I know some of you are like that. But keep going. Don't get discouraged. You know, a great thing to do would be to share some of the thoughts of what you read on, on Facebook, on our, our church Facebook page. Remind ourselves of it. So read God's Word. Be study God's Word. Study it. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker has, who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the Word of Truth. How do we rightly handle the Word of Truth? You've got to dig into it a little bit. You've got to study it. And so, you read through it, and that may be a quick overall reading, but then take some passages and study them a little deeper. You might want to get a commentary, maybe a, a whole Bible commentary. We have some in our library. We can recommend some. And, and know what it says. Know what it means. Use some of the, the tools that we've talked about. We've talked about observation, interpretation, and application, and going through those steps. And, and we can talk more about those. Or um, on your rooted reading, it says reap, which are the same steps, actually. It just adds pray. Read, um, examine, and apply, and then pray. Um, same three steps, but adding prayer to the end for application. But study God's Word. One of the things I'm excited about is we're going to, you're, you're going to get something in the email this week probably, but um, we, we have a, an organization that provides study libraries, study video libraries, and we have an opportunity that everyone in the church can access these study, study video libraries. And it's a number of the conferences that are coming out and 
just a number of the, the Christian books that we have. You can look up by book of the Bible, say, I want to study Philippians, and it'll show you a whole bunch of teaching on Philippians. Um, and so we're going to send you an email this week inviting you to be part of that. It's called Right Now Ministries. Just another way of trying to give you tools, trying to give all of us tools to study God's Word. Read it, study it, enjoy it. Psalm 90, 19, 9 and 10. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And then listen to how he, he describes it. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. This is God's Word to us. This is an opportunity to hear from the Creator of the universe. Isn't that pretty incredible? That God Almighty wants to meet with me, with you. That He's given us His Word to teach us, to instruct us. Just think about that for a minute. Think about how we would be if any celebrity or sports star came in and, and said, hey, I want to have lunch with you. I want to talk with you. We'd be like, yeah! You know, different people of you are thinking of angel players or dodger players or different people. But what if God Almighty said, I have something I'd like to say to you because I love you. That's what he did. Enjoy God's Word. And finally, de-memorize God's Word. I am a, a strong believer in memorization. And so in your notes, in your worship folder, and there's cards out in the information booth, if you want to memorize God's Word, we have a key verse every week with the, what we're studying. And just grab one of those cards and go through it and keep God's Word in our hearts. I challenge you, take advantage of every opportunity you can to be in God's Word. A healthy church studies God's Word and makes it a priority. And we have a couple of other ways. We have an education hour right after the service. Today is a prayer Sunday, so it's a little different today, but normally we have a number of adult classes. Great opportunities for you to come and dig into God's Word in the context of community and study together. We have community groups on Mondays and Thursdays right now. We have several going. And in fact, in your worship folder, there's a card um, on community groups. looks a lot like that. And if you're interested, if you're already in one, you don't need to fill out a card. But if you're not in one and would like to get in one, love for you to fill out one of the cards, put it in the back. Because those are incredible times of going back over some things. And they're sermon-based, so we do the same talk, but, but usually a passage we haven't studied on Sunday morning. So then you can dig deeper and dig into application. But also it's a time to pray for each other, to share requests, to help each other. We have a number of books in our library which are great ways to study and to learn more. Take advantages of opportunities to learn. We need to be make God's Word central. Number three, and we'll go through the rest a little quicker. Number three, a person that is being transformed by God acts. A-C-T-S. We apply it. We act on it. And this could have been put up with, God's, with the, the section on God's Word. I wanted it to be its own section. Because it's that important that we don't just hear God's Word, but we do God's Word. That we step out not just in obeying things, but obeying the commands that encourage us to step out in faith. 
James 1, 22-25 said, But be doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. He goes on to talk about if you look in a mirror and don't, don't fix anything, it's sort of foolish. But it's interesting that James says, if we hear God's Word, if you study it, and don't put it into practice, you're deceiving yourself. That's not a flattering statement. God's Word is intended to transform us, to change us, to drive us to action. It teaches us, but teaches us for the purpose of obeying it and applying it. How do we do that? We need to read the Bible expecting to be convicted. You can come to the Bible different ways, right? You can come to it just for knowledge. You can come to it thinking, I'm going to find things to teach someone else. And if you're, if you're teaching, that can be, that can be a, a danger. Or we can come to it saying, God is going to convict me and speak to me through this. That's how we need to come to it. You know, start when you come to God's Word by saying, God, reveal something in me today that I need to work on. Reveal some junk in my life that needs to be taken care of. Then go to God's Word and see what the Holy Spirit does. Ask questions like, what does God want me to learn? What does He want me to do? What needs to change? Read expecting God to transform us. So a church that is being transformed acts on God's Word, applies God's Word. Number four, as we're being transformed, a believer being transformed prays. Is devoted to prayer, both individually and as a church. And individually, we have a whole number of commands to pray in Colossians 4.2. Continue steadfastly in prayer. That's pretty direct, isn't it? Don't stop praying. Being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Being devoted to it. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Pray without ceasing. So we know these commands. And as Jesus often said to His disciples, He rarely said, if you pray, pray like this. Do you remember how He worded it? When you pray. Pray like this. Those are just really cool things to see in Scripture. When you pray. And so I think we know that we need to individually pray, but we don't always give it the time that it needs, the effort that it needs. But also the example in God's Word is praying together as a church. Praying together as a church. In Luke 11, Jesus is teaching His disciples how to pray. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, now right there, what do you know? The disciples were with him as he's praying. They're hearing him. They're part of this. And he says, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, and it's the Lord's prayer, but it's interesting, it's all worded in the plural. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. He's actually teaching them to pray together. A corporate prayer. And we see that over and over and over in Acts. As Peter and John are released in Acts 4, they find the church, it says, in one voice in prayer. And we see God move. We see in Acts 12, when Peter's released from prison, the church was praying for him at a house. 
When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark. Many were gathered together and were praying. A couple weeks ago, we saw in Acts 13.13, when they sent out missionaries, the church prayed together. And I think one of the, the most picturesque moments of prayer in Acts 21, 5 and 6, as Paul has chosen to go to Jerusalem and people have said, don't go. It's not going to go well for you there. And the church goes to the beach where Paul is about to depart from. And they, it's, in, in Acts 21, 5 and 6, it says they accompany him to the beach and they kneel and they pray for him there. And over and over and over, this concept of corporate prayer is part of how a church grows. It's part of being a healthy church. Now there's cautions. We want to be careful not to pray out of pride or to get attention like, like Jesus confronted the Pharisees on. But this is why we do a prayer Sunday at once a quarter. To say, let's get together and pray for God's church. For God's people. And so today we're going to do that. We have a variety of rooms. The four classrooms in the gymnasium, which incidentally are air-conditioned. Um, there will be a prayer um, time in each of those. And people can just come in and join. And there's a leader. One of the elders will be leading each one. You can just come in and sit the whole time if you want and not even have to pray out loud. Some people aren't comfortable with that. But being there is part of praying together. And then the fifth room will be in the conference room in the offices, just right in the, the courtyard here through that door. But I challenge you, come and stay. Pray together. It's that essential. You know, how do we get better at prayer? It's a, a question I often hear in ministry. How do I learn to pray? One of the, the ways is to read God's Word of the prayers. Read things like what Jesus told His disciples. Read through Jesus' prayers and the other prayers in the Bible and learn from them. Another way we get better at prayer is by praying. You, you've got to do it. Even if it's awkward at first, it's that important because we're talking to our Lord and Savior. The more we talk to Him, the more comfortable we get with Him the more we know Him. Pray for what is on God's heart. Don't make it just about, oh, I'd like a new car, or like such and such. But what does the Bible say is on God's heart? And so today we're going to pray for the lost. We're going to pray for people that don't know Christ. We're going to pray for some of our missionaries. One of the rooms, 101, I think Fernando's going in there and we'll share some prayer requests and it'll be an opportunity to pray for you guys and your ministry. But let's not neglect prayer. Fifth, and, and we get into some that we've already talked about here, but I wanted to include them for completeness. A believer being transformed worships. Be diligent to worship both on your own and together. The psalmist writes in Psalm 95, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. And there's a humble adoration and response to God. Colossians 3.16, when it talks about when we come together, it says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. There's, the, there's a centrality of God's Word. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. And then he adds worship in singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts. It's part of what we do. That's why we worship on Sunday mornings. 
And as we were worshiping this morning and the instruments died out and just hearing God's people sing Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, that was a precious moment. Because all of us together are humbling ourselves before God, proclaiming his greatness and that we are his people. You know, don't be afraid to worship on your own iTunes actually has some worship songs. <laughs> Get some of your favorites. Put them in your playlist. Put them in your mix. Be here. Be here by 920, ready to worship. Sing together. As we worship, read the words. They mean something. Think during worship. Don't disengage. But praise God. Number six, a community being transformed, disciples. Disciples. Intentionally help each other be transformed from where they are. Growth happens a little bit each day. And, and I have from where they are on, on purpose because everyone here is at a different place. And if we're to be a community helping each other grow, we take someone where they're at and we help them come to the next stage. And other people are helping us do that. And we don't say, well, why are you back there? Man, you should be mature. See ya. No, I, that's as silly as me, and I've used this before, as me talking to my kids and saying, why aren't you adults? You should be tall. No, how do I help them be tall? And, and a couple of them are going to be really tall. I feed them and care for them and I bring them along and that's the picture of what the community does together. Paul writes to Timothy, his disciple, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I'm so pleased at how many are discipling in our church and many are. One-on-one, -on -one, going through books of the Bible, going through other books, going through the designed for discipleship, all kinds of different options because different things will work for different situations. Keep thinking about discipleship. Who am I helping grow? Who am I walking with in life? Number seven there. A person being transformed into Christ-likeness gives. Joyously recognize that we are stewards of God's stuff and it is not ours. Paul writing to the church at Corinth again, a church that he... In fact, we're going to study 1 Corinthians next, but in 2 Corinthians, he's writing and, and helping them grow and get through some problems. And he says, but just as in, in chapter 8, verse 7, but just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, so many of those things that we would think of as, as spiritual disciplines, he says, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. And he ties that into obedience to Christ. And it's giving our time, giving our resources. See, when we give, that means I've got to let go. And it, it's actually an act of worship and surrender to God. And so it is directly tied to spiritual growth. Not because donating time or giving time or, or giving resources or helping someone, not because that's a magic pill, but because of how I'm using what God has given me for Him.
eight and nine. I, I think I even left those filled in in your notes. Person being transformed evangelizes. And we talked about that for, for um, two weeks ago and three weeks ago. And then number nine, a person growing in Christ being transformed ministers. And Pastor Andrew is going to talk about that next week, so I don't want to steal his thunder. Um, nine things that represent a person growing in Christ. A person being transformed, going through a metamorphosis. No, we're not becoming butterflies. But we're, coming, we're becoming amazing creatures of Christ-likeness. Because God can take anyone, no matter how fallen we are, no matter how messed up we are, and transformed us into heirs of the King. What an incredible gift. We sang this morning about Christ's work on the cross that accomplished that. And today we, we want to end with communion, which is another act of, of, that contributes to spiritual growth as we remember what Christ has done. Because communion is saying, I remember that I'm a sinner and that I need Christ's work on the cross. Not just for salvation, but for sanctification. This ongoing work of transformation. I need Christ. And this is coming back to a reliance on Him. Oh Lord, we thank You and praise You. We crave after You. Pray that You'd continue to change us every day, increasingly into Your likeness. Lord, do whatever it takes to keep us growing spiritually, to be a body that's committed to that. Thank You for this body, for their, their depth of the Word and knowledge of the Word, and understanding of You and love for You. Pray that You would continue to challenge us to go even further with that and to go even deeper. In Jesus' holy name, amen.